But if you have your Bibles this morning, I'm going to invite you to open with me to Exodus chapter 20. Exodus 20, and welcome to week two of our mountain and mountains and valleys series that has us walking through events from Scripture um, where people find themselves at the very highest um, points of life or in life's deepest valleys. And the plan is for us to walk through the mountains first, um, ending at the mountaintop experience of all Scripture, which is the resurrection. And then after Easter Sunday, we will then walk through the valleys of Scripture. And the thought behind this series is that Life for all of us is a series of mountains and valleys where we must learn to navigate between the highs and lows. And as we said last week, that doesn't mean that on the mountains we won't be tested. And it also doesn't mean that in the valleys we can't have victory. So we're going to kind of see all of those things. And this morning, um, what we're going to do is we're going to come or look at Exodus 20 and we come to Mount Sinai, um, which is um, the second time that Scripture locates Moses at this mountain. You know, it must have been strange, a very strange feeling for Moses to return to the place where God had first spoken to him out of the burning bush. On the first visit, a flock of sheep surrounded Moses. Now, the second visit, uh, uh, two million, uh, a flock of people are surrounding him. And the amazing reality is that the God who came down and spoke to Adam and Abraham and Isaac and Jacob and Moses is now coming down to give his law to his people. And I know how we, at least how our flesh, feels about the law. You know, oftentimes when we think about the Ten Commandments, we think about the law, it doesn't lift up our souls. Sometimes it can weigh us down. In fact, many people in our world and some in the church are convinced that the law of God no longer applies to us, that it's outdated even though it was given to us by an eternal God who changes not. But sometimes we think that way because we think about the laws in our own land. So many of the laws in our land were established during a time when the United States was transitioning quickly from an agricultural to an industrial nation. Some of the laws went out of date and some of the laws were repealed, but yet some laws still remain on the books yet um, are not enforced let me just give you a few, a few laws. So it is a, it's illegal to ride an ugly horse in Wilbur, Washington. It is illegal um, for chickens to cross the road in Quitman, Georgia. So just think about all the jokes they're missing out on. Um, in Mohave County, Arizona, if anyone is caught stealing soap, he must wash himself with it until the soap is gone. Now that's not a bad law. I mean, I've kind of... That's really a good one. Um, in California, it's illegal to lick toads. We'll just say only in California. Um, in Morrisville, Pennsylvania, it's illegal for a woman to wear cosmetics without a permit. And I'm not touching that one. Um, it is illegal in St. Louis, Missouri, for a fireman to rescue a woman wearing a nightgown. If she wants to be rescued, she must be fully clothed. In Kentucky, it's against the law to remarry the same man four times. <laughs> Again, I'm not touching that one either. Um, and in New York, it's against the law to throw a ball at someone's head for fun. They call that the Kenny Law. And I, <laughs> you could talk to him and he could tell you why. So you know, the, the reality is that many people view the Ten Commandments in the same way that we view these old Laws, meaning they're old, they're outdated, they no longer apply to us. 
Unfortunately for those people, the Bible doesn't give the law, the Ten Commandments, a bad rap. In fact, the Bible does not put an expiration date on God's character. I love the words of Charles Spurgeon, who kind of shows us the relevancy of the law even today when he said this, I do not believe that any man can preach the gospel who does not preach the law. The law is the needle, and you cannot draw the silken thread of the gospel through a man's heart unless you first send the needle of the law to make way for it. If men do not understand the law, they will not feel that they are sinners. And if they are not consciously sinners, they will never value the sin offering. There is no healing a man till the law has wounded him, no making him alive till the law has slain him. So with that foundation kind of laid and also kind of target given for that's kind of where we're going this morning, I want us to jump into Exodus 20 and let us approach Mount Sinai, hearing and responding rightly to the law of God and even more importantly to the God of the law. So if you're able, I'm going to ask you to stand as we honor God's word. We're going to read Exodus 20 uh, verses 1 through 21 together, which is the Ten Commandments, and it begins in this way. And God spoke all these words, saying, I am the Lord your God, who brought you out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of slavery. You shall have no other gods before me. You shall not make for yourself a carved image or any likeness of anything that is in heaven above or that is in the earth beneath or that is in the water under the earth. You shall not bow down to them or serve them, for I, the Lord your God, am a jealous God, visiting the iniquity of the fathers on the children to the third and fourth generation of those who hate me, but showing steadfast love to thousands of those who love me and keep my commandments." You shall not take the name of the Lord your God in vain, for the Lord will not hold him guiltless who takes his name in vain. Remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. Six days you shall labor and do all your work, but the seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord your God. On it you shall not do any work, you or your son or your daughter or your male servant or your female servant or your livestock or the sojourner who is within your gate. For in six days the Lord made heaven and earth, the sea, and all that is in them, and rested on the seventh day. Therefore the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and made it holy. Honor your father and your mother, that your days may be long in the land that the Lord your God is giving you. You shall not murder. You shall not commit adultery. You shall not steal. You shall not bear false witness against your neighbor. You shall not covet your neighbor's house. You shall not covet your neighbor's wife or his male servant or his female servant or his ox or his donkey or anything that is your neighbor's. Now when all the people saw the thunder and the flashes of lightning and the sound of the trumpet and the mountain smoking, the people were afraid and trembled, and they stood far off and said to Moses, You speak to us, and we will listen, but do not let God speak to us, lest we die. Moses said to the people, Do not fear, for God has come to test you, that the fear of him may be before you, and that you may not sin. The people stood far off while Moses drew near to the thick darkness where God was let's pray together father we come before you and lord we we come to this mountain and lord this mountain is a mountain by which lord we do not measure up and lord i just pray today as we walk through these commandments that you would just show us god the the beauty of them the relevancy of them the application of them and lord just the the point of them the fulfillment of them in christ or we just come before you today lord and as we 
heard earlier, Father, um, from Brother Frank, there's so many different things in our minds and hearts, so many requests, prayer requests that are going on. But Lord, we pray in this moment, Lord, quiet our minds, quiet our hearts, Lord, as we hear your word. Lord, speak, O God, for we are listening. In Jesus' name we pray, amen, and you may be seated. So if you ask the the average person on the street um, to mention what they know about the Ten Commandments, chances are you'll hear something either about Charlton Heston, you'll hear um, perceived inconsistencies, or you'll hear just an overall hatred for laws. You know, it's, it's pretty common these days for non-Christians to dismiss us as inconsistent because in their minds, we follow some of the rules of the Bible and ignore others. The challenge usually sounds something like this. So people will say, when the Bible talks about certain sexual sins, you guys quote that. But when it says, don't eat shellfish, or when it says you should kill people who are breaking the Sabbath, you just ignore that. And basically what they say is that we just pick and choose the commands that suit us best. So when people say that, how should we respond? What should the response be of God's people? And I think the problem is most of us, some or some of us, don't know how to respond. But when confronted with arguments like this, we should first make a distinction between the three types of laws in the Old Testament. And what I mean by that is this. Um, in the Old Testament, first of all, there were civil laws. So there were laws that governed the nation of Israel and Israel only encompassing their behavior, also showing punishments for crimes um, that they would commit. So you have the civil law of Israel, then you have the uh, ceremonial law. So the ceremonial law was about clean and unclean things, about all the various sacrifices and the sacrificial system, and then all of the temple practices. So all of those things were the ceremonial law. And then you had third, the moral law. So the moral law, which declared what God deemed to be right and wrong, beginning with the Ten Commandments. So you have the civil law, ceremonial law, and the moral law. And here's what we know. We are no longer under or bound by the civil law um, because when Jesus came, he did not come to build a nation state. He came to build a spiritual kingdom. So Jesus is not worried about nation states here. He's worried about building the kingdom of God from every tribe, every tongue, every nation, every people. We also know that we are no longer under the ceremonial laws because the sacrificial system was set aside by the once for all sacrifice of Jesus. So we are no longer bringing sheep to church with us. Um, We are no longer bringing turtle doves to church with us. And praise God, I don't have to sacrifice any of those things um, because Jesus paid it all. So that is the, the picture. But yet, the moral laws do still apply to us because they reflect God's character and God's character has not and will not change. So God's views on morality will not change. So the law is not just an arbitrary um, edict of this unpredictable dictator. The the law is um, a declaration of a wise, loving, good God who desires his glory and desires our good. Yet on the other side of that is this. Um, Most people in the world look at the law in a bad way. Most people in the church look at the law as if we know it exists, but we really can't say what they are. 
Did you know that 90% of people in the church can't say the Ten Commandments? 90% of the church can't say the Ten Commandments. So before we go a second um, further, I want to give us an easy way this morning of memorizing the Ten Commandments. In fact, I saw this, was listening to a message, saw the pastor do this. I kind of um, shaped it up a little differently. But I wanted to present this to you today. I thought when he shared it, I was like, that's just um, amazing. So I want you to follow with me. So everybody put up your index finger. So commandment number one, there is only one God. You shall have no other gods before me. There's only one God. So number two, follow with me. Number two, cut out idols. So cut out idols. You shall have no idols. Do not um, put any graven thing before me. Don't, don't worship idols. Number three, looks like a W, right? Which means words. Do not take the Lord's name in vain. So watch your words. Don't take the Lord's name in vain. Number four, keep following with me. Typically, and this is kind of a weird way to put it, especially from a New Testament standpoint, but normally how many Sundays are there in a month? Four. So keep the Sabbath day. If you have a hard time with that, then I did this. It's hard to work without thumbs. So therefore, don't work. Um, so Sabbath day, then five. So everybody five. Brother Steve, come on. Do this with me. Yes, sir. Honor your father and your mother. So number five, honor your father and your mother. Now, everybody, this is going to be easy. Take your left hand, and now that becomes five. And let's follow with me. So now, six, thou shalt not murder. Everybody, look at someone, point at somebody, thou shalt not murder. There we go. Some of you had way too much fun with that. But you're going to have a great time with this one. Number seven. Thou shalt not commit adultery. <laughs> Thou shalt not commit adultery. I'll just leave that for your imagination. Um, then number eight, and notice what's happening. The thumb is stealing the pinky. The thumb is stealing the pinky. Thou shalt not steal. So number eight, don't steal. Number nine, follow me what's happening. At number nine, look at your left hand, which is L, and look at the L there. Do not lie. So don't lie. Don't do it. And then 10, don't covet. Don't covet. Don't covet. Don't covet. And we're going to, that won't be the, the first time you hear those this morning. We will hear those again. Um, but with that helpful tool given, I want to lay before you three truths related to the Ten Commandments that I pray will help us and will empower us. And the first is this, the commandments are a source of revelation. The commandments are a source of revelation. When, when God first came to Moses at Mount Sinai, the first time in Exodus 3, God told him, I am Yahweh, I am the Lord. And he said in Exodus 3.16, go and say, the Lord has appeared to me. In the second encounter, when God appeared um, to Israel, he said, I'm in chapter 20, verses 1 and 2. I am the Lord your God who brought you out of the land of, of Egypt, out of the house of slavery. So the truth is that God began both of these encounters with a revelation of himself. When it comes to Exodus 20, when it comes to the Ten Commandments, God is the most significant thing about the Ten Commandments. For the law is a reflection or an expression of the lawgiver's character and his heart. 
So the law is an expression of the lawgiver's character and his heart. The commandment doesn't just show us what God wants. It, show us, it shows us who God is. So they say something of his honor, something of his worth, something of his majesty. The commandments tell us what matters to God. Meaning every one of these commandments reflects God's character in some way. So follow with me here again. When you say, number one, you shall have no other gods before me. There's only one God. It's because there's only one God. He is God alone. When you say, do not have any idols. You shall not make for yourself carved images. Cut it out. What you are saying is, we are created in the image of God. We're not the creators. God is the creator and he's glorious. He's the creator. He is glorious. We're not the creator. We don't get to create things to worship. We are the created ones and we worship our creator. When, when God said three words, you shall not take the Lord's name in vain, he was declaring his name to be holy. His name is holy. His name should be revered. When God said, remember four Sundays, remember the Sabbath, he was declaring that he would be our rest, that we could trust in him, that he would provide. When God said, five, honor your father and your mother, he was declaring that all authority derives from him. When God said, you shall not bang, bang, murder, he was declaring that he is the giver of life. He gives life. As Job said, he takes away life. Blessed be the name of the Lord. When God says we shall not commit adultery, what God was saying is, I'm faithful. I'm faithful. I will never leave you. I will never run out on you. I am faithful to you. When God says we should not steal, so the pinky still in, or the thumb still in the, the pinky is because God is trustworthy. He will never defraud us. He will never rob us. He will never mislead us. When God says we shouldn't lie, the point is, it's because God is truth. He is altogether truthful in everything that he does. And when we are told that we should not covet, it's because God is the giver of everything we will ever need. So the point is, when you think about this um, I love the words of Pastor Colin Smith here. It says, the Ten Commandments are not an arbitrary set of rules. They are a direct reflection of the character of God. So the Ten Commandments are windows into the perfect character of God. They are revealing. They are showing us something. The Ten Commandments are a source of revelation. They are revealing our God to us. But then secondly, the commandments are a pathway for an examination. So the, the commandments are a pathway for us to examine ourselves. For you see, the purpose of the law was never to correct sin. The purpose of the law was always to reveal sin. Each commandment gives us insight into our character. I think of the way Paul put it. So Paul and in Romans 3, he says a lot of things in Romans 3. He begins um, halfway through by saying, um, none are righteous, no, not one, none do good. And then Paul says, and beginning at verse 19, now we know that whatever the law says, it speaks to those who are under the law so that every mouth may be stopped 
what the law does, and the whole world may be held accountable to God. It's what the law does. For by works of the law, no human being will be justified in his sight, since through the law comes knowledge of sin. And then Paul later on says, For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God, meaning we are not justified by the law. We're declared guilty by the law. The law tells us how bad we really are. So we, we did this um, around December when we talked about the, the good news and the bad news of the gospel. But I want to do it just real quickly again and lead us again to measure our lives based on the Ten Commandments. So again, number one, there's only one God. You shall have no other gods before me. Can you say Honestly and truthfully, I have never put anything before God in my life. Can you say God has always been first in my thoughts, um, in my actions, in my affections? Can you say that? And the answer is no. Therefore, we're all 041. Um, second commandment, you shall have no carved images, so no idols, cut them out. This commandment is about us reshaping God according to our liking um, or desiring purpose from something that is not God. So the question becomes, have you ever found yourself worshiping anything that isn't God? Have you ever found yourself hearing something from the Bible and say, I just don't like the way that sounds? That is a picture where we begin to cut God off because we don't like some characteristic of God, so we cut it off. Have we ever done that? I'm thinking we have, therefore we're 0 for 2. Then the third commandment, you shall not take again words, the Lord's name in vain. Can you say that? Can you say I've always held God's name to the highest respect? Or can you say this, I've always respected God's name well? For example, I've never called myself a follower of his while I wasn't obeying him. Most of us, let's, let's be honest, yes or no, have we ever dishonored the name of God, whether it be through words or through actions? Again, we're 0 for 3. Number four, remember four Sundays, remember the Sabbath day. And here's the thing, you might say, I've had perfect attendance from church for forever. We were talking about that the other night at the discipleship group. I, I grew up in the church age where if you got perfect attendance, they would give um, the kids these little medals um, that you would have. And I was like a five-star general. At the end of every year, I had my medals. I mean, it was fantastic uh, as far as a great way to feed the flesh. Um, but, you know, the, the whole picture of... Um, Keeping the Sabbath has to do with giving God what belongs to him and trusting God. So the purpose of the Sabbath was to rest in God's provision for that day that you weren't working or to rest in God's provision in all circumstances. So here's the question for us. When life has gotten tough, have you always or have we always stopped and rested and trusted in God in the midst of it? I'll let you just answer that one on your own. Number five, 
Honor your father and your mother. If you think you have passed that one, either A, pick up the phone and call your parents if you can do that, or call your siblings, or call a relative. And you'll get to the bottom of that one really quick, but I think we have failed that one. Number six, thou shalt not kill. And I know immediately we're thinking, finally, one I have passed. I got this one. And then in Matthew 5, Jesus comes along and Jesus messes it all up because in Matthew 5, Jesus says, if you even hate someone in your heart or if you desire harm for someone, you have failed or broken this commandment. Well, shoot. Then we get to number seven, I shall not commit adultery. And most of us in here are like, well, I'm, I'm good with that one. And then Jesus once again messes that one up too. Because in Matthew 5, Jesus says, if you look with lustful thoughts on someone who isn't your spouse, you have committed adultery in your heart. Jesus said, even a lustful thought makes you guilty. So how does your scorecard look? I'm, I'm 0 for 7. Um, just in case you're keeping up with my scorecard, 0 for 7. Then number 8, you shall not steal. So again, thumb stealing the, the pinky. Have you ever taken something that wasn't yours? And there's some, somebody in here that's thinking, I've never done that. Well, let me ask you this. Have you ever taken money, possessions? And maybe you say, no, I've never. Have you ever taken credit or praise that you didn't deserve? And then we go, oh, well, well. Is that, are you sure that's what he means? Can we honestly say, I've always been completely honest and truthful in all of my dealings? Then we get to number nine, thou shall not lie. I'm not even going to go there because most all of us have and some of us even in church. So um, we're going to move on to number 10, you shall not covet. Can you say, I've never been greedy for something that wasn't mine. I've never been jealous for someone else's abilities or looks or position or possession. Can you say that I've always been content with everything I've ever had? So that's the Ten Commandments. How did you do? I'm 0 for 10 in case um, again, there's my scorecard, and I'm betting that if you were honest, you are right there with me. We're 0 for 10. So here's the point. If you get a zero on God's exam, do you think you're going to be found innocent or guilty? You know, if, if we get a zero, a zero on God's exam, so the bad news is we are all guilty before a holy God, and because of that, we are deserving of eternal wrath. Now, we generally respond to um, kind of this whole picture with, with two different things. First of all, we get upset at the commandments of God as if the commandments of God are the problem. We say, how could God require perfection? Isn't that just unfair? Let, let me just say very clearly, God's holiness isn't the problem. The law doesn't make our hearts sick and rebellious. The, heart, the law shows that our hearts are sick and rebellious. So that's the, the picture. But the second response is that we shrug it off and we go, well, nobody's perfect. Or we say, we're all better than Frank. So, you know, we start feeling good about our, ourselves and we shrug it off in that way. But if we do that, we diminish the holiness of God. And Scripture doesn't let us do either of those two things. Scripture maintains from beginning to end that God demands perfection. So the law is a pathway for an examination, but the law is also, get this, like an x-ray. 
the law can't fix the problem, but it can reveal the problem. I think about when Morgan was in first grade. Her school did a fundraiser where they raised money for a new playground. And this new playground had monkey bars. I don't know if you know monkey bars. Monkey bars are basically a contraption of doom that had to be created by insurance companies in order to keep business flowing in. Um, that had to be it. So um, the, the, school, the school that shall not be named... Miss Vicky, it shall not be named. Um, the first day, the first day the kids are able to go outside, Morgan comes home and says she fell off the monkey bars and she hurt her arm. So I looked at it. Misty looked at it. There was no swelling. I did what any father um, would do. I said, just walk it off. It'll be okay. And that's, that's not what I said. But if you know Morgan, she, she's not in here right now. But she, she, ha she has been and maybe still is a little bit of a drama queen. So we never know exactly what's going on. But the next day she got up, went to school, called halfway through, said, my arm's still hurting. Um, so we said, let's take her to the, the doctor just to make sure, to the emergency room just to make sure. Um, anyway, fast forward, she gets an x-ray. The doctor walks in the room and says, guess what? Her arm's broken. And I was like, Father of the Year Award has been thrown away for this year. No hope of that. And I'm like, I just said, are you kidding me? And the doctor was like, nope, don't, don't you feel good. And then, of course, she, the doctor tried to make us feel, feel good. But here's the point. Don't miss this. X-rays reveal the problem. They don't fix the problem. So the doctor didn't come in and say, we got the X-ray. Her arm's broken. But don't worry. The X-ray made it all better. That's not the picture. X-rays are powerless to do anything to fix the problem. In the same way, the commandments show us that we are spiritually broken and shows us how broken our hearts are, but it is powerless to fix it. Which leads us to the third truth, which is this. The commandments show us our need for salvation. The commandments show us our need for salvation. The purpose of the Ten Commandments were never to give us salvation, but to show us our need for salvation. The Apostle Paul put it this way in Galatians 3, 23 and 26. He says, before, now before faith came, we were held captive under the law. Then the law was our guardian until Christ came in order that we might be justified by faith. But now that faith has come. We are no longer under a guardian for in Christ Jesus, you are all sons of God through faith. So the commandments do not lead us to another lawgiver who requires us to, to keep trying to do good. No, the law leads us to Jesus, our justifier, our savior, so that we might be justified through and by faith in him. For when we look at Jesus his life, he perfectly kept the commandments. Jesus fulfilled the commandments. So Jesus perfectly kept the commandments, but then get this. He is the point of the commandments. Did you know that? The commandments point to Jesus. So then let's look at the commandments again. The, the first commandment, there is only one God, yet it teaches us that we must worship Jesus as our only Lord, Savior, and Mediator. This is who he is. And the second commandment, um, cut out idols. Um, don't make anything in God's image. The second commandment shows us that Jesus is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn over all creation, which is what Colossians 1 tells us. 
The third commandment, don't take the Lord's name in vain, shows us that Jesus is the name of God. It is at the name of Jesus that every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. The fourth commandment, so four Sundays, um, remember the Sabbath. They teach us that Jesus is our rest. In Matthew 11, Jesus says, Come to me, all you are weary and heavy laden, and you will find rest for your souls. The fifth commandment, honor your father and your mother. Jesus is the one who brings us, as we honor him, into another family, a spiritual family. We are part of the family of God through Christ. The sixth commandment, do not murder. We honor Jesus as the one who gives life and the one who has given his life for us. We get to the seventh commandment, thou shalt not commit adultery. We honor Jesus as the bridegroom. We are the bride of Christ. He is the bridegroom. And get this, he will never be unfaithful to us. He will never walk out on us. This is the picture of who he is. In the eighth commandment, we honor Jesus as the the one. So thou shalt not steal. We honor Jesus as the amazing one who is our treasure and the one who keeps our treasure safe. The picture is Jesus is holding on to us and no one can steal us from him. And no one, praise God, can steal him from us. It's the beautiful picture. Then we get to the ninth commandment, thou shalt not lie. And we honor Jesus because according to 2 Corinthians 1, all the promises of God find their yes in Jesus. Jesus is the fulfillment of every promise that God has ever made. Shows us that God will keep his promises. God will keep his word. And then the 10th commandment, thou shalt not covet. We honor Jesus because he's enough. In 2 Corinthians 12, when Paul prayed and said, Lord, take this um, thorn from me, Jesus speaks to Paul and says, my grace is sufficient for you. Jesus spoke to Paul and said, I'm enough. I'm enough. Jesus is the point of the commandments. Think of it like this. Jesus is the point of the commandments. We are guilty before them. We're guilty before them, but we encounter salvation before him. So before the Ten Commandments, we're guilty. Before Jesus, we encounter salvation. If the law has not brought you to Jesus, then you have missed the greatest purpose that God intended for the law. And let me end this way, and this is a beautiful thing that God spoke to my heart this week in an amazing way. Not only does the law function to lead us to salvation, the law also functions to give us promises within salvation. Don't miss this. So the law gives us promises within salvation. In his commentary on Matthew's gospel, Bible teacher Charles Sprite, or Price excuse me, describes a, a man that was serving prison time because he was a thief. During his time in prison, he heard the good news of Jesus Christ and he was wonderfully converted. 
When the time came for him to be released, he knew that he would enter into a new struggle. Most of his friends from the past were, were thieves. It would not be easy for him to break the old patterns of his life. So the first thing he wanted to do upon being released is to go to church. So he was released and just so happened that he was able to go straight to church. So he picked the church, he walked in. He sat down in the back, and the first thing he saw in the front of the church was a plaque that had the Ten Commandments written on them. And his eyes gravitated to those words, you shall not steal. And he immediately thought, that's the last thing I need to see. I know my weaknesses. I know my failures. I know the battle I'm going to have. That doesn't make me feel good about where I'm going. But as the service progressed, he kept looking at that plaque. And as he read and reread the words, they seemed to take on new meaning. Previously, he had read those words as a command, in the tone of a command. You shall not steal. But it seemed the more he read, the more that God was speaking those words as a promise. You will not steal. You're not going to steal. You're not going to go back. Understand this. People say, do you think the, the Ten Commandments are relevant? Yes, they're relevant to today. They're, they're, they apply to today. Why? Because they're promises to God. To the child of God, filled with the Spirit of God, the commands become promises to us. You will honor God as the one and only. You won't go and make idols. You'll cut it out because you have Him. You won't allow your speech to dishonor him we won't take his name in vain and and on and on and on we could go these commands aren't just um showing us our need they're giving us promises of how god is enabling us to live that's the importance of us knowing them in the midst of temptation when i read that this week i was able praise god by his power his strength and his words to fight off temptation in different ways that when temptation came all of a sudden now the ten commandments came to my mind not to ridicule me and not to find me guilty but to give me promises what a beautiful way of looking at the law of god as promises to us let me end this morning with the words of Colin Smith again. He says this, and this is kind of a representation of the whole message. If you have understood the law of God, it should cause you to fall down in worship because the law shows us who God is and what he's like. So remember, the commandments of God are revealing God to us. And he says, if you have understood the law of God, it will make you cling to Jesus Christ because you will be absolutely clear about why you need him. We examine our lives and we realize we need Jesus. And when you understand the law, it will give you direction for a new life in the power of the Holy Spirit in which you are not destined for defeat, but for victory oh to god that we would see the purpose of the commands today and if you're here and the commands leave you guilty before god run to jesus run to jesus come to jesus he will not turn you away but if you're here today as a child of god and you find yourself walking in in disobedience to the commands of god run to them as promises Submit yourself to the Holy Spirit and let the commands of God not lead to your guilt, but to your victory. 
This is the picture, the promise of our God for us. I'm going to go ahead and ask you to stand. And we're going to finish the message in this way. Whatever the Lord is telling you to do, you would do it. We're going to ask our musicians to come forward as we enter into a time of invitation and consecration. And let's pray together. Father, we come before you. And Lord, we honor your word. We honor your commands. And we thank you for the commands that show us in beautiful ways. Lord, your character reveal who you are in a less beautiful way, yet a beautiful way it shows us who we are and our sin and our trespasses. But yet they point us to, again, who you are, our Savior, and sending your Son, Jesus. Father, I pray for anyone who's in this room or who will be in this room that doesn't know you, that today will be the day that through the law of God that they would be pointed to and led to their need for Jesus. They would call the name of the Lord and be saved. For believers in this room, Lord, help us to not shy away from the commandments anymore because of how they make us feel, but help us to see them as the promises that they become. That we don't have to lie because we follow one who is truth. We don't have to do these things because your spirit gives us power over them. Lord, just finish this time, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen.